As we go live now to another great mate. In fact, uh, he's the super sub, Gary, the guru, Birkinshaw. Good morning, mate. Welcome back to the show. Good morning, gentlemen. Great to be back. Great to hear Michael Glatzik as well. Uh, very good cricketer, <laughs> Michael. So good to see him uh, excelling in the uh, in the, the round ball code and doing really well for himself. Yeah, I'll tell you what else he is exceptional at. He's a sub 48 second 400 meter runner. Uh, he's ridiculous. So, 46, I think he gets down to. So we had John Wall yeah. uh, come on NBM one time and said that if Michael switched to track and field, yeah. he believes he could make like a world championship final in 400, which. Geez, that would be very tempting. Oh, just amazing. He is a very, very athletic. Uh, Guru, mate, the grand final last week, we have been touching on the NRL and talking plenty uh, of the highlights, but uh, it was no different on the Saturday with Collingwood uh, four-point victors over the Brisbane Lions. Your summary of how the day played out? Yeah, look, I think it was a pretty funny day, really, to be perfectly honest. I think it was a game where if the scoreboard wasn't shown on the bottom of the screen you'd think that Collingwood were winning the game mm. quite comfortably because I think they, they controlled the game quite well but but never never were able to get a, a, a big break on the game and Brisbane hung in there, there nicely and uh, look, towards the end of the game there, Butch, when they, when they hit the front with uh, with a goal from Charlie Cameron, it looked like they might have been able to, and would have literally just stolen the game but, uh, but Collingwood, they've been the best side all year and they showed their class uh, towards the end of end of that game. And, and what was probably impressive, Butch, is that just the way, and they've done it all year, probably done it all for the last two years, just the way they're able to close the game down and waste effectively the last two or three minutes of, of, of the game when, when it's in their favour. I guess 30 shots, 30 shots to 21 is a pretty indica- a pretty good indication of where I was at. They were clearly off target, Collingwood, but... Um, uh, well done the Lions for hanging in as, as well as they did. And some of the big performers, Steve? Oh, look, uh, just looking at some of the numbers here, yep. Burko, but at the, at the time I was at the NRL Grand Final rehearsal, so we were all trying to watch as much of the AFL Grand Final as we could, but you'd be the expert on this. So Nick Dacos finishes with 29. Dugowie, last week I said he'd be crucial. So his number's not as, not as big as previous weeks, but he also kicks two goals along the journey. But give us your thoughts on some of the superstars, including Norm Smith medalist Bobby Hill. Mm. Yeah, look, I, I think overall it was a pretty even even game. I don't think it was, yeah, you know, I don't think it was easy to choose the medal. And, and Bobby Hill kicked four first half goals, which, which was very you know, um, influential in the result of the game. And he got, ironically, for the Norm Smith medal, he got the three votes from from all five panelists, which. Um, I probably wasn't surprising, given the fact it was so even across the board by by the others. But yeah, you know, his four goals were, were certainly very good. But I thought the Dacos, uh, Nick Dacos, was very good. But I thought Joe Danaher from the Lions. I thought he was very influential. Spent a lot of time in the ruck, which I found quite quite interesting. I think that might have you know, crawled him a little bit uh, uh, up up forward. But uh, you spoke about Jordan Dugowie, and you know, it's sometimes in grand finals, it's not how many you get but it's what you do with when you get him. And he kicked mm. two goals, including the one which straight after the goal that Charlie Cameron kicked to put the lines in front. He then kicks a goal from outside 50 after a really nice handball from Nick Dacos. So the big players turn up in the big games, and, and I thought he was very good. But the other one I thought who was exceptional was um, was Scott Pendlebury. Um, I watched the TV program on, on Monday, and they just showed the, the organisation that he did, and he showed his real class for a player that's played over over 370 games. I think he just showed real class and real poise and uh, ensured that the younger players than that didn't didn't lose focus of what their job was to do, especially in those closing moments.
Hey, can I just ask you about, uh, I find this fascinating. So last week, due to a technical difficulty, we couldn't get you on the show and we would have spoken about the Brownlow medal. Uh, one of my comments was some of the best backline players in the competition, you know, they're lucky to poll three votes in the whole season. But then we see Harris Andrews, he wins the best and fairest at Brisbane through the week, uh, defeating dual Brownlow medalist Lockie Neal. So it just shows what a defender is worth within the four walls of a footy club compared to the umpire's votes. Your thoughts? Yeah, look, I agree with you. Yeah, it has been called for a number of years to actually have a, a medal or an award for the defenders. You've got the Coleman medal for the leading goal kicker and obviously the midfielders win the Brownlow medal, but the defenders don't, uh, don't you know, tend to have an award named after them. But when you look at it from an umpire's perspective, they, they, they judge on the play and the, and the yep. midfielders are always in the play. The coaches judge on a lot of times on the job that players do for their side on any given day. Like, they will see the job that Harris Andrews does at the, at the Brisbane Lions, but if you're an umpire and Lockie Neal's picking up 35 touches, so they see him with the ball a lot, they don't see the job that Harris Andrews done by taking 10 intercept marks or, or even up forward. Like, Nick Larky kicks 10 goals and doesn't, and doesn't get a vote. So, um, so there's little things like that. So where the ball is is where the umpires focus, and it's it's quite funny. I do find quite funny because around Lockie Neal and the, the commentary around that, because he's a fantastic player, had a fantastic year, and they and they everyone's honed in on one round where he got three votes, and you know, and he, he had a minimal impact, and, and that you know, affected the Brownlow. But there are other other games where he you know he, he played well and, and and didn't get the vote. So I think that you know, yeah, every year there's been. Yeah, you go back and have a look at games where, where people don't get the votes that, that they probably deserve. But that's what that's what makes the Brownlow medal so so good. Um, and the other thing is they don't get it wrong too often. There's not too many players who aren't really good players who, who win a Brownlow medal. But also we also say we stood we shouldn't look at stats when we when we actually give the votes. But the first thing when when someone picks up votes that they shouldn't, everyone just goes and has a look at the stats. So it's quite amazing, mm. really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Couldn't agree more. We're about to do the top three, but in 25 words or less, give us your thoughts on Collingwood being premiers yet again. And I think someone mentioned their average crowd this season. It's just off the charts in terms of this club as a brand, not just in Australian sport, but in world sport. I think they rank in the top five in the world for home attendances. I spoke to a, to a mate of mine who was down in Melbourne for the grand final. He said it was unbelievable. He's a Richmond supporter, so he was there when Richmond won their premiership. So it's just another level with the Collingwood support. So they thoroughly deserve it. They were the best side this year. They were probably one of the, one of the best sides last year as well. And just think, it was only two or three years ago they were actually finished 17, and now they are as a premiership. Change mm. the coach. Change doesn't hurt. Now that that's the thing that they've proven. And uh, untried coach doing an amazing job and they're well-deserved premiers. All right, let's roll this in. We've got to do it quickly on this Saturday. Uh, here comes the intro. Butte's top three. Okay, really quick, short, sharp, boys, because we're running short of time. Number three will be the AFL and the NRL pre-game entertainment. Outstanding. Well done to both of them. Kiss was outstanding, as was the Tina Turner tribute. Loved it. Number two. Both teams, four teams that competed in the uh, AFL and the NRL Grand Finals. I thought they were outstanding in plays, put on one hell of a show. But my number one will be Nathan Cleary. His performance in the last 25 minutes was outstanding. 16 points behind the greatest comeback in an NRL Grand Final history. 
Well done to Nathan Cleary and the Penrith Panthers. Three Pete for them. Hey, by the way, Buttes, uh, earlier I mentioned the immortal word. Yep. I mean, is that where this guy's heading for? Ah, he's on the path there. I'm not about to jump in too early. I think he's still got another eight, nine years of footy left ahead of him. And, you know, we'll be able to make that assessment towards the back end of his career. But, you know, Peter Sterling was uh, at similar age, had won three premierships. He's not an immortal yet. So uh, I'm not going to get carried away with it, but he is certainly putting things in place. And I think Sterlo, four-time man of the match mm. in State of Origin. Yeah, yeah. Behind the King with eight, who yep. probably could have won another two or three man of the match awards mm. in Origin. Burko, you've got a top three. Let's go. I certainly do. Bit different debuts. Number three, Mark Led, local boy on cricket, uh, captain's boy on cricket, first grade side. As overnight was named in the world over 40s global team of the tournament. So oh, well wow. Mark Led, the, only, the only Australian to to make that. So so well done. Number Massive. Two, Europe winning the Europe winning the Ryder Cup. No one no one <laughs> predicted this. Following the introduction of Live Golf, everyone said that Europe would be decimated, and they come out and uh, and really gave it to the Americans. So well done to Europe, and America just can't win on Europe soil. And number one, oh, Nathan Cleary, how can you go past him? But you folks have said it all along, and I can only reiterate what you folks have said there. That last 20 minutes, when Penrith were effectively on the canvas, he just took the game by the scruff of the neck on his own and, and dragged them over the line. Yeah, beautiful, Burko. Great to have you on the show, mate. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. And next week, we'll get an update on where Central Coast cricket is at because lots of rep activity happening as well as the competition as well. Thanks, mate, and we'll talk soon. Good on you, guys. Thanks for having me on.